Epic Story, written by Tom Buyens. About three communities and their heroes, living in 2222, who are challenged by climate change, energy scarcity, and a constant threat of war and virus attacks. Chapter 1. The War Begins. Sun Seven tosses his paddle aside, refreshed after the morning stint in the rapids. He sweeps his left hand over his golden hair before shaking his entire frame in a comical attempt to dry himself off. Rays of the setting sun play tricks of light with the dripping water of his hair and torso. The action has its desired effects, and a confident member of the pack of giggling teenage girls watching him growls appreciatively at his show. His father stands at the dock with Father Three and a gathering of immigrant fishermen. They are almost certainly discussing how best to solve the problems faced by the Tibetan immigrants. He looks away from the scene with contempt. All the immigrants ever did was complain about the sorry state of their existence. He was of the ideology that they all, every last immigrant, be sent off the trail. They aren't very accommodating people anyway. Most Americanos unfortunate enough to find themselves in the Tibet area would be extricated without mercy. Some make it back into the safety of the Americano sphere. The ones unable to meet their end ungracefully. They either freeze to death in the House of Snow, or drown, or get carried off by any of the numerous freak weather disasters the area is notoriously known for having. Sun Seven whistles when he sees Sun Four stride out of the docking cabin. His friend insists on cleansing himself in the public bath after kayaking. Sun Seven would never understand the reason behind it, but he learned years ago not to take his friend's overly dramatic fixation with hygiene seriously. When Sun Four hears a canary whistle from behind him, he turns and spots his friend standing alone and bare-chested. He waves and changes his direction, stopping briefly when a seashell catches his attention. Daughter X collects them. He was sure she would like the one he just found. Let me guess. Seven says. Another token of your affection for your love's delight? Quit it with the love jokes, Niles. He and Samantha, daughter X, are the only ones who call Seven by his earth name, just as how he is the only one who calls them by theirs. Even though using earth names out in the open is frowned upon by the cowboy law, a blind eye is turned to the offense when it's committed by adolescence. The facts are the facts, my friend. You've been home barely a week and you haven't gone a day without speaking to her. Just admit it already. You like her. In fact, you liked her even before we qualified as men. Seven could not hide the pride in his voice when he said this. He pauses, and his features lose the smugly satisfied look that the memory always brings both of them. And to anyone in their age bracket who went through the trials of becoming and survived. Seven continues. What I don't understand is why you insist on putting me, your dear friend, through all this. All of what? Four asks. Realizing too late the mistake he just made, he quickly adds, You know what? Forget I even... Four doesn't get to finish his statement. His friend heard the question and was already in the process of giving him a reply. It would be one that would almost certainly infuriate him. All of the drama... 
I don't sit with my sisters when they binge on the soap operas they waste their leisure time on, yet I find myself subjected to the same kind of drama with you. Yup, Four says as he pockets the seashell. What? Seven asks. As expected, you make no sense, Four tells his friend. The sound of laughter causes him to glance behind him. He had noticed the presence of the club members of Umiak while he sailed the rapids, and after he docked, he saw the club president, a ghost from a past that would not stay buried. He had been heading in her direction before Seven whistled for him. Twelve was in front of a gathering of young girls, first-time kayakers from the looks of dread and excitement on their pale faces. His sister was among their number. Twelve looked just as beautiful as the day he last saw her, the day his brother became one of the uncounted. She and the others got off with a warning while his brother got exiled. He didn't hold any grudges. Mimi loved his friends, especially Twelve. He noticed she still kept her body in form. Her slim body still fills her favorite gray wetsuit perfectly. The tattoo on her arm remains visible for all to see. A shark caught in a jump. Four always liked that tattoo. Animated tattoos became popular as a form of body art hundreds of years ago. The shark on her arm performs flips and other tricks, depending on her mood, or whenever she wants it to. Her dark hair was tied in a ponytail, as was required of kayakers with long tresses, either that or a swim cap. But those were deemed not stylish and out of season by Quick Rapid magazine, so only a handful of people on the shore, those who don't own a subscription to the magazine, can be spotted with swim caps covering their heads. Quick Rapid was intended for the more adventurous sailors and thrill-seekers. That being said, it meant that anyone with access to the Sphertronet, a medium of payment and a misguided curiosity about extreme sports, could obtain the magazine. Seven rummages through his dry bag for a shirt, the cold finally getting to him. Four looks away from the giggling girls to his friend. You'll catch your death trying to impress women, Niles, he tells him dryly. For as long as he could remember, the teen has derived an odd satisfaction from being on display. Most Americanos live daily on pushing the limits of their body. Seven was no different, only that he prefers to have an audience when he performs one feat or the other. What better cause is there to die for? Seven says. He pulls out a dry hoodie, but he does not pull it over his head. Instead, he holds onto it and laces his bag shut. Four is quiet for a moment. He looks away from the girls packing up their dry bags, and his eyes settle on the forest on the other side of the river. Gotta admit, Niles, I agree with you. Seven hears him, but he does not give Four any reply. He continues watching the flow of water across the channel. The water doesn't rage down here. It's quiet and almost still. Want more? Follow our next chapters via podcast or download our ebook, Three Spheres on Amazon.